Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I am joined as always by Miles Danhausen. Miles, welcome to the wonderful world of remote recording a podcast. Yeah, thanks Andrew for setting this up. Can you uh, hear me just fine? I can hear you fine. Uh, hopefully the audio quality is as stellar as it normally is. Uh, we are officially working from home. Uh, we've been meeting to do these podcasts for the last week, uh, but we are just in order to keep getting information out as quickly as possible, we've moved to kind of a remote setup for the time being. Uh, so hopefully this all works out really well and we're able to continue getting information out to people as quickly as possible. Uh, why don't we jump right in? Uh, we'll start as we have kind of been the last couple of days with the uh, Wisconsin numbers. We'll go statewide and then we'll kind of come down into the county level and talk about what people need to know uh, about COVID-19 in Door County right now. Sure thing. Um well, we'll get into some more uh, local information with the Door County Medical Center's Jim Heiss, uh, their chief medical officer, a little bit later in this podcast. But for statewide numbers, as of this morning, as of actually at noon today, the numbers still say, according to Johns Hopkins, 161 cases in Wisconsin. According to the Wisconsin Department of Public Health website, 155, including two in Brown County. Yesterday, the governor announced that we have our first two uh, COVID-19 related deaths, including a man in his fifties. Sadly, I, I, I think that'll start coming in more. And I think they, they've generally been releasing the latest numbers sometime each afternoon, right around two or three o'clock. And we'll find out more then. Per my conversation with Jim Heiss, as of this morning, still no cases reported in Door County. So that's kind of the, the ground story right now as, as of, uh, noon in Door County. Let's talk about some of the things that have changed uh, over the last 24 hours. So we had talked with Chris Hecht, the president of the Fire Chiefs Association, a couple days ago, and we talked about how the there's an emergency coalition that has been formed to try to help assist people and to connect volunteers to help people in the county. Um, all of that information is funneling through doorcountypulse.com, and the phone numbers associated with those, the links to sign up to volunteer, to request assistance, as well as phone numbers to call hotlines. All of that stuff is live now and on the website. So that is available for people to use. Yeah. Th big thank you to uh, Greg Swain of Bay Lakes Information Systems who put together the portal for people to volunteer and sign up and also the portal for people to request assistance. He's done He's been working nonstop on that for about a week, and his his team has got that up and running, and the Fire Chiefs Association has their call center up and running. And I, in talking to Chris Hecht first thing this morning, uh, a lot of people calling in wanting to help. So that that's exactly what they wanted. And, you know, the, the demand right away won't be there, but it's it could ramp up very, very quickly in terms of what people need because as you see in New York and in California, statewide in California now, they've gone to a shelter-in-place order for 40 million Americans. So it's, it's getting very serious out there as they try to slow this down. Right. Uh, and yeah, that's just the one thing that I wanted to hit one more time. This is a great portal for people who need assistance, but also if you are looking to help others in Door County, uh, this is where you can go to volunteer. This is where you can be connected with people who need help right away. So definitely... Take advantage of these resources uh, if you need assistance uh, or if you are looking to help people out. Um, last night in Sturgeon Bay, they held their uh, emergency meeting. What came out of that meeting, Miles? Uh, the city of Sturgeon Bay 
did declare a state of emergency uh, following suit several days after many other communities had done the same. I've talked to various people in Sturgeon Bay. They say it's definitely slowing down in terms of foot traffic and obviously with the restaurants closing and going to pick up only, some of them closing entirely. That's of course, quieting things down. I know Bay Ship uh, is still operating, kind of business as usual. And then I know that from from folks I have, friends of mine who work in like the distribution industries for food and beer and wine and liquor, the impression is that these people who are driving around the entire county every day, the impression is that Northern Door so far has taken a lot of the social distancing much more seriously. They said in the in the grocery stores and 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 things where they're stocking in Sturgeon Bay, there's there's still a lot of people coming right up in your face to help you out or just to talk to you. And uh, one one gentleman told me today, like I'm literally having to run away from people who are still like getting very much in your personal space. So, are you hoping that the this official word from Sturgeon Bay is going to curtail some of that? It's going to send more of a a, a serious message. I, I hope so. And then the the stronger language that you're hearing out of the hospital and the public health department beyond just wash your hands, don't touch your face. Now it's turned to stay home if you absolutely can. Like do not go out unless you really need to and your essential service. Like that's that's a difference in tone and language just that we've seen this week. Um, so hopefully that starts to to get through to people. There are some new studies that are showing that this may be transmitted in an aerosol form, not just like kind of direct contact. So that has some people on edge. It has food delivery people on edge about like what precautions they need to take. That's kind of new information. So this thing changes so fast um, in all my conversations with medical professionals and, and emergency workers. So it's right. rapidly evolving. Right. Uh, anything else in the local level that has changed in the last 24 hours before we jump into your conversation with uh, Door County Medical Center? Um, not much. I'd just like to remind people, if you are a part of the county that did not normally get the Door County, the, the Peninsula Pulse delivered to you, you're gonna, you might be surprised to find it in your mailbox today. That is the first time we've done that where we've sent it to every mailbox in the county. Uh, it's not the, the smartest financial move on our part, but we thought it was the smartest move to try and get everyone in the county the information that they need. We don't know how long we will do that. As of right now, our plan is to do that again next week. We have gotten some responses from people who, who thanked us for doing that. And hopefully it helps keep people informed. Uh, it's a, a little bit smaller than our normal edition. Normally this time of year, we'd be about 40 pages. Obviously, advertisers don't have anything to advertise. So a lot of them have, have pulled back. And I gotta say, I truly do appreciate those who continue to advertise to help us get this information out to people. But we're going to do our best to be an information source, both on doorcountypulse.com and in the print edition. And if you have questions that you want answered, uh, please contact us. You can email us at pr at ppulse.com. And either that might lead to a story idea, an investigation, or um, just maybe someone in our office can help you out or direct you to our website where we have that information. Great. And I know that we internally are, are looking to the next week in terms of continuing to update people and keep information about COVID-19 going. Uh, but we're also trying to come up with creative ways to join the community together, uh, looking at uh, ways that we can still 
maintain our mental and physical health and stay connected as a community, even through social distancing. So hopefully we'll be able to provide uh, it, maybe some levity next week, maybe some uh, at least a little bit of a, a break from from all of this discussion, in addition to the many updates that we're looking to to provide people. So keep an eye out for that kind of stuff. Uh, keep your chin up and continue to communicate with each other on social media and try to try to spread as much joy and happiness as you can, even though things are very serious right now. And and one more thing, if if you're bored out there, um, this is a great time to dig through our podcast archives. Uh, I highly recommend um, listening to our interview with James Larson about as he responds to Yelp and TripAdvisor reviews. That one will put a smile on your face. And I think people need entertainment right now. So we have great interviews with tons of different people in this community from the last couple of years. And if you haven't listened in the past, now's a great time to go back and and check those out. Uh, so, Miles, we're going to jump into this interview that you had with Door County Medical Center. Can you give us just a little bit of a, a preview of of what you are going to be talking about here when we jump in? Yeah, I um, caught up with Door County Medical Center's Jim Heiss, Dr. Jim Heiss, uh, to just talk about what they're doing down there to ramp up some of their new restrictions and procedures that they won't be performing in the, in the, for the foreseeable future as they focus on preparing for potential influx of patients and some of their advice for what you should do, when you should call them, what what the symptoms are, and when you should go to the clinic versus when you should just stay home and take care of yourself. So he gave us some great tips and information. Um, and he's a very busy man right now, so I really appreciate him taking the time to join us. Great. Well, we'll jump into that right now. Miles, thank you so much for chatting with me today, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you, Andrew, and thanks for all you're doing to, to keep these going remotely and figuring out new solutions and getting the word out to everybody. Yeah, doing everything I can to keep the community informed, and, and we'll continue to do that as we move forward. So uh, thank you, Miles, and I'll chat with you again soon. Thanks, Andrew. Hello, and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen, Jr., and today I'm joined by Jim Heiss of Door County Medical Center, where he is the chief medical officer. Jim, thanks for hopping on the phone right now. Welcome thanks to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Miles. Yeah, I know you are uh, extremely busy in uh, the, the current days and the current climate, so I really appreciate your time. Um, what I wanted My to pleasure. do is give people um, a little update on what things are like down at the hospital and what they need to know um, and hopefully answer a few of those questions so you guys don't get the calls and tie up people that you need for other work right now. Right, yeah. So tell so, me kind of what's right, the, the ground ground rules right now? What's the status at, at Door County Medical Center? Well, status right now is we are in a constant state of planning for uh, any, any uh, eventuality that we have hospitalized patients with COVID. We also have set up for those patients that have mild illness or that they're concerned about uh, uh, maybe being exposed to COVID, that uh, uh, we have a hotline that people can call and uh, that, that hotline will be able to answer questions and also provide a screening over the phone. And uh, we've set up as well a testing site just off off the campus of the hospital across the street, basically, from our emergency department in our dental clinic, which is currently closed. So the process that we're following right now is if someone has concerns that they may um, have COVID, they would call our uh, uh, COVID hotline, which is 746-3700. They would then be connected with a nurse, and they would uh, go through 
the screening questions, which I'll talk about in a minute. And then if testing would be indicated, they would be directed to the dental clinic location to have testing done right in their car. Excellent. So that's a big step. That's probably something new in the last day or so? Uh, we've been up for the last two days, actually. Oh, excellent. Um, and so who should call? Who should call that hotline? What are the symptoms that are a good indicator that maybe you should to talk to somebody and, and figure out if, if you're at risk or not? Yeah. Well, I'll answer it this way. So as far as what are the, what are the, what are the symptoms, what are the concerns? Well, first of all, um, uh, or at least feeling feverish is, is part of the, the thing. It's a respiratory illness. And so fever, cough, shortness of breath, sometimes it even starts with a scratchy throat. But I want to caution people that, you know, this time of year, there's lots of reasons to have scratchy throats. So if you've pretty much been in Sturgeon Bay and haven't left anywhere over the last couple of weeks, um, likely something other than COVID. But um, if you have basically traveled outside of our area and certainly out of state uh, and came into contact with people and you have these symptoms, I, I would encourage people to call the hotline and, and uh, talk, to, talk to one of our nurses and be screened. Um, how would you categorize the level of alert at the hospital right now um, and, and kind of the how many tests we're getting, or is there not a lot of uh, requests or or questions about symptoms right now? You know, uh, interestingly, uh, I think we actually haven't. We've had a fairly robust amount of questions and testing, but not overwhelmingly so by any stretch of the imagination. I think people are being very thoughtful and and reasonable about calling, and and we're happy to to, to take phone calls and answer questions because this is time of a lot of concern for people. But, but we haven't um, had an inordinate amount of testing uh, that's been going on. Um, so, you know, we're happy to be here in the event that, that we need to be for you. I talked to some doctors out in, in Seattle, and they said in a, in a day, I think Wednesday, 80 people came to the clinic, and this doctor categorized zero of them as actually really needing to go to the clinic. So it's right. kind of screening people before they come there and either potentially spread it or um, just take up time that really didn't need to be taken up right now. Um, you don't, you hate to tell people like, don't ask for advice right now, but you also want to make sure that, that your hospital is fully prepared in case there is some sort of surge. So maybe tell me like, what is, I, I've, I've heard some terms about like surge planning and things. What does that mean for the yeah. hospital? Well, let me, let me just take a step back before I answer the surge, surge planning and, and I will be happy to answer that. But, you know, I, I think your point is well taken as far as people coming to the clinic because, you know, a lot of, a lot of what's going on right now as far as COVID is concerned, people that um, um, out of state and that sort of thing have um, uh, maybe developed COVID or been concerned about COVID, they're very mild symptoms. And really the, the best advice is if you feel like gee, you're coming down with something but you're not particularly ill and certainly not short of breath, your best your best choice is to stay home and get plenty of rest. Make sure your fluid intake is good. You always can call the hotline if you have questions or concerns. You always can call, you know, uh, to, to to find out if, if anything other, anything else should be uh, done. But really, the absolute best advice that we can give people right now, and I can't emphasize this enough, is absolutely stay home if you don't have to go out. Now, if you're sick and need to be seen, absolutely come here. So as you said, we don't want to say don't come. That's not certainly not the message. But in general, the message is stay home. Do not go anywhere. And that, that, that's kind of what we're seeing 
being mandated in Los Angeles and and uh, other cities. And and that's the reason for it is that people are making poor choices and, and running around. Not that you can't go outside and take a walk. That's a good thing. Uh, but uh, we don't want people going out, uh, um, you know, for, for no good reason. Back to your surge planning question. We absolutely are actively planning in the event that we have uh, a large influx of people who become ill and require hospitalization. Um, we have uh, staff that includes physicians, nursing, administrative folks. Uh, we're fortunate in that we have We've added on to our facility over the course of time. So we have what was our old intensive care unit um, is now reset up to be able to handle an influx of people uh, if that should be necessary. So um, I've been real proud of the team we have here because we literally got the our, our quote-unquote old ICU set up in less than 36 hours. Wow. So, uh, um, yeah, so we, we, we're, um, we got this, we're on top of this, you know, the big, the big concern everyone's heard about, you know, social distancing and flattening the curve. The reason we want to do those things and the reason that those things are so crucial is what you don't want is to have a huge surge because, um, a huge surge in a lot of these large cities that we've seen, and certainly in Italy has basically overwhelmed the healthcare system. You know, there's only so many resources. I don't care how big of a building you have. There's only so many people to take care of patients. There's only so many, you know, any of any supply you choose to, to grab out of the air. There's only so much of this stuff. And so um, we need to be smart uh, about this before that would happen. And that's something I've been trying to emphasize to people over and over again is even if we had a massive hospital, which we don't, we don't have a massive supply of doctors. We have really right. good ones. We have really good medical professionals up here, especially for such a rural area. But then exactly. there's just not that many. Um, right. And in terms of hospital beds, I, I do know that the National Emergency Declaration, I've been told that allows you at the hospital to add more beds. Um, may not be. It doesn't mean you can suddenly create a lot more ICU units. Um, it doesn't, doesn't mean you get more ventilators and those sorts of things. Um, right. And when you look at Door County's population and the the third of us that are over 65, the most vulnerable, and then even now the studies, um, and correct me if, if you know differently, but the studies I've seen are showing that the hospital hospitalization rates, even for people as young as 30 and 40 years old, are actually pretty high if you do get infected. So it's not just an old person's disease. Right. It's not just an old person's disease. And I think one of the other pieces of information that people have sort of taken some solace in, which is probably incorrect to do, is, well, it's not really a young person's disease and it's not going to, it's not going, they're, they're going to be fine. They might get a little sick and they'll be fine. But these people are carriers. So your children, for example, that's the entire reason school closes is because, the, you know, the children can get this, get this illness. They may never have symptoms, but they may have virus and they could spread it to those people who would become severely ill. And that's why we, we, we tell everybody to stay home. Yeah, excellent advice. And, you know, when you look at like the numbers coming from South Korea, they had it controlled up to 30 people. And then number 31 broke her quarantine, went to a church service and infected. They basically credit that one person with having infected about 4,500 others. Um, just through going to like one gathering. So, and when people are saying, well, why do the businesses have to shut down? Why do the restaurants have to shut down? And that's where we gather. That's where, that's where it spreads to a lot more people if it gets here. And in our population where you look at like some of these, um, these kind of national level studies come out, they base it on like a 15% 
of your population being of the vulnerable age, but Door County is more than double that. So yep. it could be, it could run roughshod if you do um, get that one, that one bad case and all it takes is one person. Um, that can be really bad. And I, I, you mentioned that Los Angeles, now it's all of California is ordered to shelter in place to slow that spread and, and relieve their hospitals. So yeah. um, one thing that I, I saw that you're doing at Door County Medical Center as well is delaying a lot of elective non-essential procedures. Could you explain that yeah. to what that means to residents up here? Yeah. So what that means is any procedure that um, is not necessary for life or limb um, of an elective nature. So what do I mean by elective? Um, a screening colonoscopy, um, uh, an upper upper GI scope to take a look for uh, stomach ulcers, things like that. Things that would not that wouldn't change wouldn't change the outcome if we waited a few months to do. Those are the things that we're postponing, and we're doing that because the main reason again is we don't want to bring people into the institution if they don't need to be here. And the other thing is we really need all hands on deck in the event that there is uh, uh, a surge of patients. And the other thing is is uh, personal protective equipment, which I know if you if you watch any of the news or any of the press, that's a big deal. I mean, we have you know, there's we we actually are are very well positioned. Our our supply chain uh, manager has done just an outstanding job of of anticipating this, and so we have a good supply of of, of what we need. But it's Again, it's a limited resource, and any time you talk about a limited resource, it then it behooves us to be good stewards of that resource, and so that involves canceling elective surgeries, elective procedures, and even things like uh, uh, annual wellness visits for, for Medicare patients. There's no reason to take that high-at-risk population and have them come in to talk about what screenings they should be having. We can do that at a later date once this has passed, but not, now is not the time. Um, what's the status at uh, the Northern Door Clinic right now? Uh, the 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 fish fish creek clinic is uh, you know, they they are they are part of us and basically it's the same tenant they are they are there so if someone is ill you know let's say someone uh, um, has an underlying medical condition they have congestive heart failure or they have uh, emphysema or something and they've gotten worse and they need to be seen by a doctor and not necessarily an ER they're there for them so those are the kind of visits that hey you know what if you're sick and need to be seen we're here for you. But if it's if it's a routine, you know, I need to come in and see how I'm doing with my Lipitor and check a cholesterol. We can do that at a later date. Um, you know, another thing you mentioned, uh, uh, telling people to stay home and, and take care of themselves. One doctor I talked to, and again, correct me if, if this is, is not your opinion, but uh, essentially there aren't a lot of treatments for this. Unless you are very sick, you can be put on a, a ventilator or a respirator. But otherwise, there there's no vaccine. There's no antibiotics for this particular no. virus? No, there, there is not. There's, there's really, it's, it is what we would refer to in our parlance as supportive care. So as you mentioned, if someone becomes critically ill and is not able to, to uh, exchange oxygen through their lungs, that's when they would need to be on a ventilator. And when, you, when that happens, you basically are waiting for the disease to clear itself. You're not, you know, you're not necessarily going in there and treating. As you said, antibiotics are for bacteria. This is a virus. This is not a bacteria. And currently, there are no antivirals that have been shown reliably and, can, and repeatedly to uh, um, take care of this. There are some uh, antivirals that are talked about in, in foreign countries that, that those of us uh, you know, in the medical business are trying to keep our tabs on. But at this point, it's by no means something that um, we can hang our hat on. So it really is doing our best to prevent it to begin with. And if someone does get it uh, and becomes quite ill, get them through it. 
Um, and, and speaking of a vaccine, I do know that they're doing some, they're, they're doing some fast tracking, but one thing I've explained to people there, they say, well, if it works, why can't they just release it next month? And from what I gather being no expert, but like you, you do these trials on a vaccine. And the reason they say it's 12 to 18 months is because you don't know what the side effects of that vaccine are. So if you try and inoculate millions of people with it, and then it turns out that it, that it causes some severe side effect, some brain damage, some, um, or, or people get even more sick that yeah, that's why I, you have to wait and see how it plays out. Is that pretty correct? Right. I mean, side effects is one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is for any vaccine that, that is new and is, is brought through the, the usual process, it goes through a number of phases of testing because let's say you, you do one phase of testing and you have a, a, in all these cases, it's a limited number of people and you, and you, vac- you vaccinate them and then perhaps you think it's, it, it's working and you're preventing it. And then if you were to stop there and just send this vaccination out and that would become the, the holy grail for everybody. And all of a sudden we find out that, well, in fact, when you try to generalize it amongst a large population, only 20% of the people that are given the vaccination have any, have any immunity from it. So it, it requires a couple of different levels of trial before you can send it out. I don't think it's a matter of, hey, we could send this out. I don't say we, but you know the, those that are in that business could send it out, but it very likely may not work, and so we need to be sure before we get it out there that it that it does in fact work. And even in in things that are very well vetted, going through the normal procedures, normal timelines, we found we find out three, four, five years later that yes, it may work for eighty percent of people, but for twenty percent with a certain condition, it might have devastating side effects. And, um, and we see that happen a lot of times with prescription medicines that they, they only find out once it's used by lots of different people with lots of different medical situations and everybody's different. So, um, and you're seeing that now with, with this, you know, maybe a, a 35 year old who's totally healthy with no conditions might be able to battle this off pretty simply. But then you see like the man from Disney world who had pre-existing, he had asthma and, yep. And he dies in a matter of days. So um, right. there's there's all those different things that you got to consider of, of what makes you susceptible and not. Um, Dr. Heiss, anything else we should talk about? Anything, any other updates from the hospital that people need to know about uh, before I let you go and go back to work? No, I think what I've been saying to people in general, again, is 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 this is, you know, it's, it's people, I've, I've had people say to me, it's easy for you to say because you're kind of in this all, every day, but this is not really a time to panic. This is a time to, you know, I think we, we're really blessed to live in a, in, a, in a great community. There's a lot of community support out there. So I think the best thing that we really are encouraging people is to stay home. Obviously, if you need to go out and get some groceries, that's fine. Stay, stay, stay six feet away from people. Wash your hands uh, religiously, you know, 20 seconds. Uh, don't touch your face. And, and I, I say that um, fully realizing because I am a huge offender. The minute I tell someone don't touch <laughs> their face, what do I do? I scratch my eyebrow. You know, so it, it, it's it's easier said than done. But just be very cognizant, cleaning surfaces. If you do, if you do go to work and if you if you are in, a, in an industry that, that that is still working, if you get sick, don't go to work. Stay home. So in general, if you can stay home, do so. All right, Dr. Heiss, thank you so much for your time today. Um, again, that hotline, if you do think you've been exposed or you think you, you have serious concerns that you might have the virus, the number is 920-746-3700. That's 920-746-3700. Um, and obviously, if you're in an extreme emergency, uh, critical situation, you've got 911, but please use that hotline if uh, you just need to check and 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 see if you may have something that needs more uh, 
more checking it out. Um, Dr. Heiss, thanks again. I really appreciate you joining us. My pleasure, Miles. Thanks so much.